Hello and welcome to the Dissidents podcast, brought to you by the Institute for Liberal Values. This is where we talk about how we can strive for a world in which freedom and reason are at the forefront of all human society. In this week's podcast, Elizabeth Spivak and Mike Burke discuss how ideology is related to attention, but doesn't seem to frame it in the neat way that many seem to think it does, as well as a concept called pathological kindness, which appears superficially quite impressive, but actually doesn't really mean much on closer inspection. Okay, so hello. Um, today we're going to look at ideology um, and specifically the link between ideology and psychology, how we tend to filter things, I guess. How we uh, distribute our attention, maybe. Distribute attention is actually probably the better way of putting it. Yeah. Filters are kind of more dumbed down. Yeah. It's not wrong. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's related. Filtering would be li related to attention, but mm. um, I, I would, you know, I would have, I did say in my, in my notes or whatever, I would say, you know, just to how we distribute our attention, how we, pay, you know, decide what to pay attention to, whether that's whether that's purposeful or non-conscious. So in other words, we tend to, you know, if you, if you are going to, if you've got your heart set, you know, you, you've, you've got the money and you've decided that you really, really, really like this car, right? You really, really want to buy this car. And imagine there are a series of articles and let's say 50 of them are positive and 50 of them are negative you're probably more likely to look at the positive ones if right. you've already made your mind up. Confirmation bias. Exactly. Right. Confirmation bias. Yeah. Um, um, and so I think that's a little bit related to the things that we're talking, we're going to talk about today, confirmation bias. Um, but also, you know, it's related to sort of like the, um, the availability heuristic also. Right. So, you know, like I tell you, oh, I, you know, did you know that there's, you know, car colors are now the cars are now coming out in purple say and you're like really i haven't noticed any purple cars and then you know you start noticing purple cars because i have you know suggested that you should start looking for them um <laughs> so sometimes those you know that can come from internal uh you know biases sometimes from external because somebody suggests that you that you look for them um and so ideology may be one of those things that help us uh, focus our attention. And we decided to do this because you sent me an opinion piece, which uh, which I hated and said, we're not going to cover this in the entirety of a podcast. However, I am willing to cover this research article and talk about the opinion piece. So why don't you tell okay, so, people yeah. what, what you sent me? So this, this opinion piece was really um, doing the rounds. Um, and it's an I think it's an extremely well-written piece. Would you disagree with that? Uh, yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> this is cool. Elizabeth think... won't even give the devil his due. <laughs> no, I'll tell you what. I mean, I think it's, it's now, I think you like it better because you're used to sort of philosophical speak, you know, right. this sort of like, you know, I don't know, putting on airs kind of sentence putting structure. Putting on airs? Oh my God. Yes. That's exactly what he was. He was just like, look how smart I am. Um, and, and I think I actually sent you, I sent you an email that you said actually made you spit out your coffee. It did. I said, 
I'm not willing to cover this article. He was making up terms. You know, he's a, he's a clinic clinician. He's not a experimental psychologist. So, you know, I'm stomping on his territory here, but he's using terms that you can't find in any of the literature. So he's made these terms up as if they're real, uh, as if they've been researched. So he says it with great authority. Um, and, uh, and he adds in all this, you know, postmodern, you know, sprinkles here and there. And I just think it's, uh, I think it's, you know, um, inflammatory trash, but go ahead. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to defend him here a little bit. Like I, I don't have a problem with people making up terms. Um, Milton Shakespeare. I do. The if he, they don't say that they've made them up. He didn't say he made it up. Neither did Shakespeare. This is a thing. Neither no, no, did Milton. No, no. Okay, you're going to say the genre is completely different, and so therefore the comparison. Yeah, yes. okay, fine. Yeah. Yes. Um, no, like I, I, I. Anyways, tell 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 people, but we don't need to. Look, that that kind of no, it's, but it's worth raising because that is a serious problem within academia, especially once you get out of the hard sciences. I'm not sure if you'd call sociology a hard science or not. Psychology, sorry, a hard science. Um, kind of should be social psychology should be a hard science, whether it meets that level well, you, okay let's just think about how if we're, we 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 uh we diverge here but mm -hmm. um just to to um you know essentially like support my science my sciencey science um you know when you think about it like what are biologists doing they're like growing stuff in petri dishes mm -hmm. right what are psychologists do we're studying something that is also studying us back we're studying something that changes with, you know, in from moment to moment, from day to day, from year to year. We're 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 studying ourselves. I mean, how uh, like if you're just thinking about like the, you just called hard science. What's the harder science? Watching something grow in a petri dish or trying to figure out why kids turn out the way that they turn out? I mean, what's harder? Yeah, I mean, you'd have to say <laughs> With the, in, and I'm going to be very kind to you here, with the the mind-bogglingly massive number of variables that exist in the social world exactly. out there, studying, and, and, and also bearing in mind, and this is a good point that you've raised in the past, bearing in mind that you might produce a study that is highly reliable and replicable um, within the time frame that it's set, that then wouldn't be replica replicable 10 years later right. because the culture right. has shifted. Right. Um, that doesn't mean that the, that study was any worse as a consequence. It, it just means that things have changed. Um, so social psychology is hard um, in that sense. But, and I think one of the recent heads of the APA just came out with a statement that seemed to me oh, to be God. in support of Hamas. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I can't yeah. help but observe that there tend to be a lot of professors of psychology, of social psych, that are mm -hmm. idiots. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that doesn't make this, the science of psychology any easier. No, 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 no. That would be an ad hominem fallacy to say, to say that. I know, I know. Yeah. It would be yeah. an ad hominem fallacy where I'm, where I'm attacking some idiot in, you know, without pointing it. No, no. I mean, there are some really good social psychologists. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, let's I, not I feel throw like... out the baby with the bathwater, right? Right. Let's yeah. for every Hamas supporting APA leader, there's Ali Jassim out there. 
Hello, Liz. That's right. Um, okay. <laughs> um, all right. So, um, yeah, in defense of the article then. Okay. Um, there is a... So who who sent this out? I didn't even recognize the... I, uh, I can't remember the person. And it was a... It was... Was it actually in a like an online journaly kind of thing? Or yeah, did it's he on Unheard, which is oh, Unheard. Um, That's right. Right, which is quite popular. Um, and he's P- Doctor Peter Hughes. I'm always, yes. I'm always a bit suspicious of people who put Doctor before their name when they have a PhD. I know. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a bit cringe. Although yeah. Iona Italia does it, and I love her. But if you're listening, stop. Even though I love you. Um, Okay, um, so yeah, he's a psychiatrist. Um, he calls himself a psychologist, a philosopher, entrepreneur, and a psychiatrist. Uh, oh no, no, he's talking about a psychiatrist. Sorry, in the article, so he's not a psychiatrist. He's a, a psychologist. He's a clinical um, psychologist, right? A clinical he's psychologist. not a medical doctor, right? Right. So um, he talks about the the tyranny of pathological kindness. Um, and I kind of have a bit of sympathy for this, right? I, I, the critical social justice movement seems to be driven by, although the evidence suggests that actually the, the split between men and women is actually roughly 50-50, it seems nevertheless to be driven by women. Um, and that's anecdotal, but I'm not the only one who thinks that way. Um, Helen Pluckrose certainly thinks that way too. Um, and he is making the case that women, I don't know if he explicitly says it, but, he, but he's, he's making the case that the, the social, the critical social justice movement is driven by a kind of pathological kindness, a desire to be kind to certain sets of people um, that is metastasized into something quite dark and destructive. Um I don't know. I don't necessarily have a problem with that. Do you? I, I don't know. I don't have a, I don't have a problem with the idea. Mm-hmm. I had a problem. Like, I don't want to, I didn't want to talk about that article as if it were science because it's okay. not right. And so it's, it's a, it's a, um, it's an idea that he has that to explain sort of ideological differences that some people, so, um, I think I I was a little surprised, I guess, by the tone of the article, because typically it is more lay people and students, um, people who lawyers, people who don't know a lot about psychology, who tend to be enamored, very enamored with individual differences, particularly personality differences. So people just love that. And they're like, oh, if only we could ferret out the people who are, you know, this kind of person, then we could, you know, we could reach them, we could change them, we could, you know, do training on them. And if we could just, you know, figure, and so his paper, sort of, it it, it has that feel to it, that sort of naive, um, I'm, you know, I, I, I'm a college student getting it all figured out, who are the bad people and who are the good people, and sort of like, mm. I'm going to name this group, pathologically kind 
and, um, and then we'll be able to figure out what's wrong with them, right? We want to solve the puzzle of what's wrong with this category of people or people who have this quality. And so that's kind of what it, it's kind of unusual for, uh, maybe less so for a clinician, but kind of unusual for a psychologist to be sort of that enamored with a, like a quality that's sort of like explaining, you know, everything. So um, I just, I didn't really like so the, this is, the tone. This is kind of like um, a speed bump that we often run into, right? The kind of, this frames many of the discussions that we've, we've had. Um, is that we all agree that critical social justice is a gargantuan problem. It's a huge problem. Um, and one of the big puzzles is, you know, the ideological side of it is quite, which is my thing, is quite easy to understand. Like I can, I can draw a, a neat line that explains how this idea leads to this consequence, right? So cause and effect is quite simple. But the next challenge really is to look at, well, what is it that motivates the bad behavior? Mm -hmm. Right. So why is it that people, for example, jump to the, the dumbed down versions of critical social justice that will give you that neat cause and effect between, you know, the paper says this and I'm going to behave in this ridiculous way versus the more nuanced versions of critical social justice which are higher status in terms of their reverence right why is it that people don't go to them instead why is it that even the authors you know the likes of kimberly crenshaw for example um who are clearly not that stupid don't then call out the dumbed down versions right. of, of of their work what's going on there and there has to be some kind of psychological mechanism at play we would think and and and, and so in our discussions, we've noted that people who score highly in Machiavellianism and yeah, narcissism again... might be drawn, might be drawn, and let me finish, might be drawn to the ideology at a disproportionate rate versus other ideologies. But that doesn't neatly explain it either. No, that's my point. Is like none of this stuff. Ne I mean, this is why psychology is hard because nothing neatly explains it. And um, it's fine to have, you know. I mean, again, it's fine to investigate some of these things, but you can find vastly more Machiavellians who are not even not doing that. vaguely interested, even vaguely interested, or right? Completely against it. Yeah, like me. I mean, so like I'm yeah, a Machiavellian. So it's, so it's not <laughs> really against yeah. it. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, so this guy, you know, sort of suggesting that um, that this pathological kindness would explain an ideological bent, I think, is um, it's sexy when you read it. It's like, ooh, you know, we got this is sort of like, um, you know. Uh, pro-social psychopaths, you know, it's also sort of a sexy idea, right? So it's like, oh, you know, maybe they're the ones rushing into buildings and saving people, you know, firemen and, you know, police officers or whatever. And there's a little bit of, you know, evidence, you know, uh, uh, that some score higher, you know, on psychopathy scales. But, um, but you know what? So does every teenager, 
you know, if, if we, every single teenager scores high on psychopathy, because what are they into? They're into themselves, right. And making themselves look good and everything. So, so we, I just don't want to take it too far. And he really presents it not as if it's his opinion, but as if it's fact. And so that was my main, you know, objection to it. I'm not, I don't object to the idea. And I think somebody should, um, should take this up. And the article that we're going to talk about a little more in depth actually somewhat takes it up. Um, they certainly don't, don't, uh, they're not referencing any kind of idea like he, he's suggesting or anything, but. So see my, my issue with it is, um, it has like, um, a suppressed quantifier. Do you know what I mean by that? Mm -mm. So if I were to say men join feminist groups because they want to get laid. Okay. The suppressed quantifier of that is all, right? I'm not saying all oh, men. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah right? So I'm yeah. not saying that all men join feminist groups because they want to get laid. So I'm not actually explicitly saying that, but that's kind of what I'm implying, right? Yeah. And that's one of the things that we fight against now. And there's not as much of a norm now in the literature, but um, we try really, really hard to train our students to always use the past tense when they're talking about research, uh -huh. because um, it's just, you can only describe your sample, whether your sample contains 10,000 people or, you know, 24 measure, you know, um, uh, values. So, um, yeah, so he does, he's, he does talk about this as if it's like current, it's, it, this is true, right? This is, this is, right. yeah, yeah. So he, yeah. he doesn't say universally. He doesn't, yeah. he, I mean, this is the thing, this is because he doesn't say it explicitly and, 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 and let's give him credit. Maybe he didn't even mean it that way. Right. But that is the way that it comes across. It does seem to have this suppressed quantifier, which is all, right? And, and, right. and if he had said that, for some or for many right or may <laughs> you know or, or even better um if he was to openly label it as anecdotal um and say in my admittedly anecdotal experience much of the excesses of critical social justice seem to be driven by a pathological kindness. Or what I'd like to call, or I'd like to propose is a pathological kindness. Yeah, yeah. As well, opposed you... to presenting it as if, I think someone who wasn't in psychology who read that would believe that pathological kindness was a thing in the mm -hmm. psycholo in psychology. Which obviously it psychology. isn't. Right. That, that people had done research on this and there, it was a, it was a personality trait that could be measured and blah, blah, blah. So, so what he'd like to say is what he should say is I would like to propose is a pathological kindness. Then he'd spend yeah. one paragraph defining kindness, another paragraph describing pathology, right. <laughs> third paragraph, putting them together and then go. Right. And then, and, yeah. and, and then frame it and then saying, this is a hypothesis essentially. I mean, that yeah. would be rigorous. Probably nobody would read it. Yeah, <laughs> it would clicks and shares because people, <laughs> well, um, I would no, read you it. would be the only one. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, that would be, 
that would be the rigorous way of doing it. So the article is not rigorous. It's not. No, it's rather inflammatory and, you know, uh, kind of like get on board, get on the pathological kindness right. Which train. is to say that he doesn't have a point. And I, 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 right. or, or, and like, I, I, and I think that this path, pathological kindness is a part of it. It's not. The other thing that's kind of a bit annoying about it is it, he kind of presents this as if this is some new insight that he's come up with. And it's not. Like there, right. there, are loads, there are loads of us who have been, been talking about this um, um, and, and in a lot more depth than he does. But, you know, I, it's well written in the sense that it reads kind of well, I think. It's got a lot of likes. It's got a lot of shares, but it's not. And here's where I think you have a really good point. It's not deep. Um, no, but he uses <laughs> language that to sort of like pretend like he's deep and that's what that what that's what i just i know that all academics do this like all academics do this and it's really annoying like this is the kind of thing like i remember i mean the classic example of this i was at a conference and um it was some bloke especially education education conferences horrific uh and some some blokes at the front he's like okay well epistemology epistemology is one of those words where you you know you you hear it and you don't know what it means you know it says something about knowledge but it's really hard and you tend to and he's basically just like you know look at me look how smart i am and it's like no epistemology is pretty easy to define actually you know my mother is a nice person versus the sun rises in the east they're both true one is subjective the other is objective that's epistemology thinking about how you can know things in different ways you know, but, but, but academics do kind of do this a lot. It's well, he crowd- uses very complex sentence structure. He uses, um, he just, you know, he, I mean, you know, many of his, uh, a few of his paragraphs are one sentence long. So, you know, I just find I, it. I, I, I used to do that. I used yeah. to do that. Oh, no, I think I, yeah. So, and I think that's why you're more comfortable with it because I do right. think that that's more common in, in, um, you know, in philosophy and, and that kind of stuff. So I think, I just think you're more, com- you're more comfortable with the, the writing style. It, it turned me off. So. I'm more comfortable with it. And so therefore I have like a higher degree of tolerance to it. I think, right. you. Yeah. but it, that doesn't, it, my, it doesn't my, bother you. It distracted me. Right. And, and, I, and I should point out that my higher degree of tolerance and this will feed into the, the article that we're about to do, right. My higher degree of tolerance to it means that I don't notice it but it doesn't follow that from me not noticing it, that it's not bad. And actually when you point it out in the way that you do, I entirely agree that it is bad. And you, you were kind of right and wrong to let, to label it postmodern. Like I, I, I hesitate to call it postmodern because I don't want it to invalidate some of the ideas that come out of postmodernism, which are, some of them are quite worthwhile. Um, but it is stylistically postmodern. That, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In the sense that, that the postmodernist and actually by postmodern standards, this is amazingly clear. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that, that, that's my degree of tolerance. Let's frame it that way. Um, you know, that the postmodernists did tend to write in this really obtuse way um, that then yeah. was made even worse by, I mean, the worst is Judith Butler. You know, oh my God. Um so yeah but, but it just because i have a high tolerance to it doesn't mean that your your criticisms are any less valid it just just means that i didn't notice that side of it yeah but now you point it out i entirely agree you shouldn't write like this it's it's not good it, it is a kind of way of belittling your I, audience i think maybe well, it, well and i feel like it this the writing style um 
made it appear as though the idea was a scientific one, that the idea was a, a more academic one than it was. So I feel like the style didn't match the idea, which, okay. was, which was like new and kind of like, oh, here's an interesting idea, right? But then he tried to, he, I felt like he was hiding the, the, the fact, the, 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 the truth, which was that this was just sort of like something he thought up, which he likes and is, you know, um, that's fine. Um, under this sort of, uh, layer of, you know, academic speak, fancy, you know, speak and fancy sentence structure or whatever, in order to kind of, um, disguise that, uh, that is just kind of a simple, interesting idea. And there's so. nothing wrong with that. No. But then again, if if but if he were to write in the way that we suggested, <laughs> nobody yeah. would read it. No, because people because people want to seize upon an idea to bash people around the heads with, right? Yeah. And, and this is you know again, I'm going to frame what I'm saying anecdotally, underline. Um, why people gravitate towards the dumbed down versions of critical social justice, because you can put it in a, in a tweet and it's right. very useful for bashing people around the head with. Um, and, and, and so is this, but let's articulate a broader criticism because this, this really is an important criticism and it does apply to the to more or less the whole of postmodernism. It's a stylistic criticism. People talk in this way because they want to avoid criticism. Right. It's a way to no. Is that his intention? Look, I don't know. Maybe he's just right. writes in this yeah. way. But generally speaking, I, I can anecdotally, I find that people write and speak in this way to kind of bamboozle the audience in order to shield themselves from criticism. And I can't say whether he is doing this in, in specific, but certainly a lot of people do. And that is a dishonest intellectual tactic. Um, it's not poetry. You know, if you're writing a poem, right. right, fair enough. Where the you know the aesthetic quality is all that matters, then or, or, or the main thing that matters, fair enough. But if, but if ideas matter, then you really ought to make those ideas as as clear as you can. Again, maybe he isn't aware that he should be doing that, or maybe he's just a really bad writer. I don't think so because it reads quite nicely. Um, Okay, yeah. we spent a long time dwelling on that. Yeah. Um, so, but we'll link the article in the podcast notes, and right. um, and you know, it, like you said, it was on Unheard, and it was about pathological kindness, and it did kind of go make the rounds. So, um, so, so people can people can find it. So instead of instead of cleanly stating that critical social justice is driven by pathological kindness, what we wanted to look at was to try and analyze things in a bit more depth. Um, so we've gone to another paper, which surprise, surprise, Elizabeth is frustrated with because that one doesn't go into enough depth either. Spoiler, but we'll, we'll get into that as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I do have my complaints. Yes. Yes. Um, but it, th there is more depth to this paper than there is in this article, which shouldn't be surprising because this is an academic paper. Um, and this is, again, we kind of talked about this in the, be the beginning. This is looking at how our loyalty, our commitment to ideology biases us to look at certain information. So... So yeah, this is um, uh, Hannah Waldfogel, I believe. 
mm-hmm. Waldfogel et al. And she found, um, she and her um, colleagues uh, from some prestigious uh, organ, uh, <clears throat> universities found that social egalitarians, now that's what she's calling them, uh, we'll go into this, but she says found, found social egalitarians were more attentive to inequality, specifically inequality faced by socially disadvantaged groups as measured by their accuracy of uh, on some things that we'll talk about or their mention of inequality and open-ended questions. These uh, social egalitarians were not more likely to see inequality that did not exist. So that's kind of an important, um, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a five-study paper and I just summarized it in, in two uh, sentences, but um, I do have a few complaints, but uh, but I did want to mention before we get too much further that uh, they use something called the social dominance orientation scale to measure social egalitarianism. So and, do you want to describe that? What is social yeah, dominance orientation? Yeah, I just want to describe it real quick. What is high yeah. social dominance orientation? What is low social dominance right. orientation? Right. So uh, I mean, I'm I'm actually just going to read a few questions because I think it's it's going to explain itself almost. So um, these are uh, questions on the social dominance orient- orientation scale, which is what they used. Um, so some groups of people must be kept in their place. So your agreement with that. Okay, on a one to seven scale. So that would obviously be somebody who's somebody who scored very high would be high in social dominance orientation and low in egalitarianism, right? Can we talk about Some, the problems with that? Well, oh. we could, but I don't think it's I don't think it's worth it. Okay. Um, it's probably a good thing that certain groups are at the top and other groups are at the bottom. An ideal society requires some groups to be on the top and on the bottom. Some groups of people are inferior to other groups, so it's obviously reverse scored. Groups at the bottom are just as deserving as groups at the top. No one group should dominate in society. Groups at the bottom should not have to stay in their place. Group dominance is a poor principle. Uh, We should not push for group equality. We shouldn't try to guarantee that every group has the same quality of life. It's unjust to make groups equal. Group equality should not be our primary goal. Uh, Then we should work to give all groups an equal chance to succeed. We should do what we can to equalize conditions for different groups, no matter how much effort it takes, we ought to strive to ensure that all groups have the same chance in life and group equality should be our ideal. So that's a, a, you know, um, now these are now, I mean, you know, I'm certainly now that I read them all, we don't need to pick apart each one, but just generally speaking, I think that most people would say, uh, would, would be able to say there's probably some problems with that measure. Right. Um, I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to exist anywhere on that measure. So, what, um, what is a group? Well, you just you just answer the question. <laughs> Look, you, you, people who an- eighteen year olds who answer this question, or people who are on prolific who answer these questions, don't try to pick apart every question like that. They're these are like Amazon Turk workers. They're not like annotating their survey or whatever. They're answering the questions as best that they can, which is the right thing to do. That is the right thing to do. Not to say, oh excuse me, what's, you know, researcher, what's a group? Um, The right thing to do is to answer as you, you know, to the best of your understanding and your ability, how the question, um, uh, you know, most, uh, as to the best of your understanding. So the more that we pick apart the questions as even as respondents, the, the worst things, you know, the worst things get. So, um, 
but it is a problem in that, especially in today's society, there's obviously right and wrong answers to those questions, right? I mean, this is, you know, that's, that's one of the problems with these measures is that there's, it's pretty clear how you're supposed to respond. Now, these right. techni these technically would be, um, you know, anonymous. They, I'm sure that they informed participants that they wouldn't be saving IP addresses or something like, you know, some such, even if they were, that, you know, their data would be aggregated, that they would not be identified. But there is, what, there is still um, a sense that you're answering questions, you're on a platform to answer survey questions, that uh, there's a sense of, um, you know, people kind of like judging, you know, there's like, how am I, I mean, you're, you're never free from that. Um, and that is demonstrated, by the way, in the, uh, in the data, uh, in that um, the, it is heavily skewed. Uh, so the low end of the scale gets far more uh, is far more densely populated. So the um, the mean is I wrote I wrote this down. Um, the mean on the social dominance orientation scale, de depending on the um, the study, because I said there's five studies, um, is somewhere between a 2.6 and a 2.8 on a seven point scale. So you know the mean is quite low. Okay, mm -hmm. um, and then the standard deviations are 1.3 to 1.4. Um, and so, you know, we have, you know, we have a, a distribution that's towards the low end. And when you think about if a 2.6 in one of the studies with a, with a 1.3 standard deviation, I mean, we've got some people who are scoring like, like they only answered one question at a one or something like that. You know, it's like they're, they're really scoring quite low. And um, so the majority of people were scoring higher in egalitarianism, if you want to flip that, you know, low in social dominance and high in egalitarianism. So, um, so, you know, they used that uh, measure throughout and it's not perfect, but look, there is no perfect measure of this kind of stuff. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, it's easy for me to criticize. These people did, um, you know, they did five studies with uh, a total of 8,779 people in them. So they collected a lot of they collected a lot of data. They had to pay a lot of participants. They got grants to do it, and so they convinced granting organizations to you know that that, that this was a good study. They pre-registered their studies. Um, so is it is this research perfect? No, but um, you know it, it's uh, you know I, I got to you know sort of like you said, got to give the devil their due, right? Um, they did a they did a good job on um, on some but things. I need to push back a little bit here. Um, you know, you were kind of criticizing the philosophers by yes. saying, oh, look at, look at, you know, all of the wording and the rest of it. And that's valid. Um, but as somebody who comes from that discipline, like I have similar criticisms of social psychology, right? Sure. For God's sake, you have to define what a group is, right? Like, like, uh, because otherwise the, the, the question becomes, I know you, you're well, saying, well, that's well, then... not the researcher's fault. This is a, this is a validated normed uh, scale. So they don't have, they don't do this. So it says show how much well, you no, favor no, 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 or I'm not oppose necessarily, each... I, yeah. I'm not saying it's their fault, but it, 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 it really does impoverish the quality of, of any data that is produced from it when things aren't, aren't clearly defined, right? And okay, you can say, well, then use your imagination. But then, you know, I'm going to say, well, okay, um, should some groups be subordinated in society? 
Obviously, yes. Obviously, you, yes. No, here's Murderers. the thing. No, no, no. You, are a group. you are overthinking this. This is not what most people do <laughs> when they take a survey. I mean, it's, it's just not. Do. Very few. And those people, those people tend to get kicked out of a, out of the, the final data analysis because their data is no good. You, the data is trash because they overthought every single item and every single question. I mean, I've had surveys where people annotated a 17 page survey where they wrote things like that. I mean, that data, I mean, I, they spent hours doing that and I threw it away. I just like didn't even use their data because they're the, you know, they clearly spent too much time analyzing the questions and not enough time and, and not, they weren't able to answer my questions. And that became, that was so clear that, um, that it wasn't worth, you know, um, keeping their data. So I agree with you, um, in some ways, but I don't agree with you in, in other ways, there is no perfect scale and no scale can define every term. It just can't happen. So, um, you, I think we could do a lot better than, than, than not defining what groups are. I don't think it would be very difficult for us to put a definition of groups, right? Groups, for example, as defined by ethnicity or gender. That's not what they, but that's, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's not what the, uh, you, they could have done that, um, but it. The, I get that it's the, not in, in the established pattern of what has been done yeah. and you need to replicate things as they were because. Well, they would have had to have research. Into, yeah. They would have to create data. And, yeah, Fine. Yeah. I, you know, and I get that. I and just I, think and we're I, belaboring a point that's kind of, it's no, moot. It's, no, it doesn't. it's not. But it's, 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 it, 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 this is the, the philosophical criticism of a lot of social psychology. It's not moot. And you shouldn't well, be Well, we're never going to get to talk about the studies. We can reject them. We can, we can not talk about this because they had one, they had a bad measure. No, I'm we not suggesting that. that we don't talk about it. I, I'm just saying that, that that's not what I'm saying. That's a straw man, Elizabeth. I'm not suggesting that we don't talk no, about I'm the study. No, I'm saying we're not going to get anywhere. We're 45 here. minutes in and we okay, haven't even but, talked about but, the but study it yet. Is, it is important. We can, you know, we, this is a, an important criticism. Anyway, as long as we can label give, it as important, we can move on. I give it to you. I give it to you. I just say that we can't do anything about it. So, yeah. And most people are just relatively mindless and are just going to go through the motions. Okay, let's move on. That's also, criticism the of, that's also criticism of participants, so. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And people um, in general. Okay. Yes, and people and in general. And a valid one. So in uh, study one, participants were shown photographs of urban scenes that were either neutral or who, that had, uh, that they called, they called them either neutral or inequal, unequal. And the inequality scenes had cues that associated with high status, like women receiving pedicures or a luxury car, and other cues associated with low status, like nail salon employees and a homeless person. And um, they asked people about the the pictures. Okay, so it's open-ended. Now, uh, so this is where I'm going to say there's a lot more problems, but... Um, so people, they coded for things like, so here's an example, um, a, a, they called this a direct inequality response. I see a divide between two classes or the yellow car represents wealth and entitlement while the man powered bike represents hard work and tough times. Those were called direct inequality. So people, i.e. undergraduate or graduate students scored 
what people typed into the open-ended question. And, you know, you're nodding your head like, yeah, no problem. That is unfreaking believably hard. Un I mean, just crazy hard. You sit in a, you know, you like you try to develop a coding scheme, you hand the coding scheme out to 10 to, to four people. Let's say we do it to four people. We say, here's our coding scheme. Here's what you're looking for. No, I get why it's hard. Very first thing. Um, I'm not sure, sort of like what you just said. How do you define group? How right. do you define this? How do you, you know? And so it's, they make it sound, this is just throw a throwaway in the, and, and in the, even in the, I downloaded the supplementary materials and they really, um, they're just like, yeah, that's what we did. We coded it. But anyway, um, then they had indirect, e uh, inequality, uh, cues, which would be if somebody said something like uh, they just referred to a fancy car and an old bike. So they didn't say something like, I see a divide between or the yellow car, you know, represents this. Okay. So if they mentioned a high and a low, like, you know, fancy car and the bike, then they counted that as an indirect. So this is, there's a lot of like wishy-washy, you know, stuff going on in here. Um, and uh, another little uh you know, oh, like minor technicality, uh, when you go to the supplementary materials, it turns out that study one was actually five studies. And they had a whole bunch of different pictures and they collapsed these studies that had between 200 and 500 people in them into what they called uh, a meta-analysis of, of that they labeled study one. So there's a lot of weirdnesses in here. I, I, would, I shouldn't say that, irregularities. I find that irregular. And I find the, the coding uh, vague, you know, the coding instructions vague and everything. So as vague as you find the, you know, the social dominance orientation scale, I find the coding. So, you know, I mean, we're on the same page here. Um, so coming at it from slightly different angles, but yeah. Well, yeah. Um, no, and I see so where you're what, coming from as well, completely. Um, what they found was that higher people who scored lower in social dominance orientation, who were labeled egalitarians were more likely to naturalistically, naturalistically, I don't know how you can do a naturalistic response within naturally? a- Why do they have to say natural? I mean, just the I language, know. naturally. Yeah. We're naturally so, yes. inclined. So let's say they were spontaneous. They, their, their response to an open-ended question was to remark on inequality. So they found a correlation between social dominance orientation scores and a tendency to remark on inequality. In study two, they uh, showed people pictures of either like kind of like the little figure that's on like the girls restroom and the boys restroom. So it's these little stick figures. Okay. With one had a little skirt and one just, okay. Um, with bags of money. Uh, underneath of them. So these are sort of uh, abstractions a little bit. Um, and they had a, um, they, it's like hit the space bar, um, either on unequal trials, some people were, it was just randomized. Either you hit the space bar when it's not equal, or you hit the space bar when the money is equal. Okay, just to make sure that there wasn't any bias there. So this is a pretty well-controlled experiment. It's pretty standard stimuli. Sometimes the women had more money bags, sometimes, no, the women always had fewer. If it wasn't equal, the women always had fewer. So mm -hmm. it was stereotypically um, uh, designed. The study 
you know, was designed. Uh, so in study two, so on unequal trials, the group of men always had more money. That's what I'm saying. Study two, social egalitarians were more accurate at differentiating between equal versus unequal distributions. Now, remember, again, it was always unequal towards, uh, towards the women. So this study is a little cleaner in terms of the stimuli, in terms of, you know, their, their you know, um, as far as I know, I could not find anything in the supplementary materials. I was really interested in uh, response time, but they didn't, if they captured response time, they either didn't analyze it or it, you know, the analysis didn't, uh, didn't pan out or something. Um, but I was kind of interested in this keystroke time, like how fast did people answer? But um, uh, in study three, this was sort of like a where's Waldo kind of thing, like where they, like, they're, it's like, fine. remember those books when we were kids, like find the things in the pictures, yeah, 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 find yeah, the yeah. difference. So this was find the difference. So what changed between this picture and the next picture? Okay. Um, and social egalitarians were faster to notice the inequality relevant changes. So these were things like, um, they'd show a per, uh, two women walking with backpacks, say, um, by someone who looks like they might be homeless, so sitting on the sidewalk. Okay, so somebody kind of sitting on the sidewalk. Um, and in one picture, he would have a bag next to him, like a pile of, like a garbage bag or something. And in the, the other picture, he would not. Um, in one, it was like a scene where a at a bus stop and the bus stop sign had, um, uh, like the letter B for like bus stop B, I don't know. And in one case it was blue and in one case it was red. So these are, you know, different. So in some cases sort of neutral pictures find the difference and some cases um, inequality related. Social egalitarians were faster to notice the inequality relevant changes in the images. In study four, participants were paid a bonus for accuracy. So now we're getting to like, okay, you know, <laughs> um, so even if you're a motivated responder, you should be more motivated by money because it was like 50 bucks. So, um, uh, so motivated, uh, I'm sorry, um, uh, paid for accuracy uh, for their memory after watching a little video, I think it was four minutes long, of men and women like in a conference room talking. And they were asked a bunch of questions. So they were told that they needed to remember. One of the questions they were asked was whether there was um, more uh, the degree to which men and women had spoken and they showed a pie chart. Um, so there's different pie charts that they could choose. Social egalitarians were more accurate at detecting male dominated but not female dominated inequality in speaking time. So they, they, uh, they were on, they, their attention was directed towards finding an inequality for women, okay? And then finally, last study, study five, a resume study. Um, they reviewed, uh, actually, I can't remember now, but it was a lot of resumes. It was like 50 some resumes, it was a, a lot. Um, and they, they looked at the resumes and saw either that the person was hired or not hired. And um, in one condition, the participants saw the um, uh, white uh, resume submitter um, was uh, the more likely to get hired. So the correlation was 0.29, so 30% more likely to be hired. Um, and, the, and then in the other 
condition, it was the minorities that were more likely to be hired. GPA was the best predictor. GPA was uh, was manipulated to be 50.5, a uh, uh, correlation of 0.57. So they, um, you know, 57% more likely to be hired if you had a good GPA. GPA being grade point average for those of us yes. who are Americans. Yes. Oh, so that's not your uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> terminology, yeah. huh? Um, so in open, this was open-ended questions again, low social dominance orientation or social egalitarians were more likely to mention seeing bias against minorities. So that was an open-ended. Um, but um, not when majority uh, group members uh, face the same bias. So again, um, in the uh, study about the women talking, women and men talking, and the study about the whites and and minorities, various minorities uh, getting hired, people only noticed, the egalitarians only noticed it in the direction that your, uh, that our friend, the uh, kindness, pathological kindness uh, would, uh, would have suggested. So this was a good match for that pathological kindness uh, article, actually, because in a way, I mean, this is not kindness, this is attention, Right? right. So these are people playing like little games or whatever, little uh, games, uh, solving puzzles or whatever. Um, but one of my main criticisms, my very first criticism is where's the abstract condition? I mean, this is like the first thing you would do in psychology is do something without labels. You would do, you know, whoops and droops or widgets and fidgets, and you would see if people had, if egalitarians were, were attending to inequalities between abstractions. Are there more, you know, circles than squares? Are there, you know, more, right. again, you know, like, and so using these like sort of foreign terms, alien terms, you know, to, to people, um, naming things that don't make any sense or colors or, or whatever. Um, and uh, I don't think I mentioned this in the little notes that I sent you, but uh, a former advisor of mine, um, Dr. Nahinsky, um, you know, he found that uh, people actually liked circles better than they liked squares. Ooh. So he realized that much of his research on categorization was biased because he was using circles and squares and people liked circles better than squares. And so they paid, you know, so these are important things to, to, to do. You do an abstract, you do a control group that doesn't have labels. And I don't know why they didn't do that. Classic example would be um, the placebo effect, right? Yeah. Like, it's a version it depends. Of that. So, so that it's not just drug versus placebo that matters. Like what really matters is that the placebo has to be controlled as well, right? So you can't give, you can't have within the same group, half of the people having a red pill and half of them having a blue pill and then not mentioning that, right? Because the, right. the, the, the color of the pill will actually influence the impact. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I do, I, I, I'm very critical of them for that. I think that the editors of the journal should have asked for that. Um, and maybe, you know, again, even if it were in the supplemental materials, like, oh, we did a, we did a control study and didn't find an effect, you know, uh, or we did and it's, you know, it's in the, but I mean, I just feel like that's really like standard stuff in a cognitive 
experiment that you do something abstract as a control. So that that really uh, annoyed me. Um, and then, you know, to sort of get back to what we were talking about, even, you know, with the opinion piece, attention is not infinite. It is a finite resource. And certainly we can get better at things that we become habituated to. And then we can divide our attention a little bit better because one task becomes habitual and it requires less. It still requires attention, but it requires less of our finite amount of attention. And people then, you know, would tend to tend to convince themselves that, that they're good multitaskers. Um, no one is a good multitasker. I mean, it's just not true that people do better when they're doing two things. You can get better at being, you can get less bad <laughs> at doing two things, but you're not a good multitasker. So it's always a cause. Well, I mean, good, 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 good can be relative, right? Well, that's what I'm saying. You can be less yeah. bad. You, can, you be, can start out really shitty at it and then get a little bit better. But there's a reason why nobody's going to be better at doing two tasks than they are at doing one. Correct. Exactly. Um, so if we're dividing our attention, so what made me, what I wondered, which I, the researchers didn't seem to wonder, is what are people who are high in social dominance orientation maybe paying attention to in the world this is, that this people is... who are low are not? So, so this was the, the, the kind of the read that I got from the paper. They wanted to, and let me dumb it down, they, they seem to be implying that egalitarians were good mm -hmm. and the non-egalitarians were bad mm -hmm. right and their evidence right. for that was look at these things that egalitarians are seeing that non-egalitarians aren't seeing okay fine but then as you're going to suggest what are the non-egalitarians seeing right because it, you know again nobody's good at multitasking okay so so you, you're always going to be good at you're always going to be better at doing one thing than you are at doing two things. So their attention is somewhere else. They're noticing right. something else in all likelihood, unless they're really stupid. But, but yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, like, uh, I mean, we'll just throw it out because the researchers brought this up. They're like, oh, you know, these would tend to be, you know, progressive, <laughs> left minded. The other, you know, the high social dominance orientation would tend to be conservative. Well, you know what? Maybe those high social dominance orientation people are noticing a way to make money. Just, you or, know, or, I... or perhaps <laughs> the high social dominance orientation people are noticing the fact that the institutions that uphold liberal democracy have delivered the most tolerant and prosperous societies ever to have existed. Yeah. Which is a very yeah. valid point and therefore should be conserved, which would be the, the main conservative argument. And I think or might that's... be thinking of a way to solve the problem. I mean, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what they're paying attention to, but the researchers didn't. Well, you, and, and you, you can't, can't measure everything in a study. No, sure. you can't. And, and certainly the idea that and I, I totally agree that they're arguing that that the the egalitarians are the are the good people. Uh, are the goodies. And, right? Yeah. And that's, um, you know, I mean, that's annoying, but that's that's how you get things published. So, you know, those. In that, these that, days. that should that should be ha that should be not throw your article out, but that should be this is a, you know you need to you need to spend five minutes right because right. writing Editing that up is, would take five yeah. minutes exactly. But I could do that in five minutes. Not Just even adding meanly. that paragraph, yeah. Uh, add add, add a paragraph. 
Yeah, it made me think about um, your uh, conversation with Brandy, mm-hmm. um, where she, because I had just listened to that, oh, to okay. that podcast. I don't listen to myself, but I listen to you when you're, when you're I don't on listen to myself. somebody else. <laughs> uh, maybe we should, but, maybe. but we don't. Um, so, but she mentioned the, you know, the Me Too movement, um, you know, be- and believe all women and, and that, you know, that wing of the progressives um those same people she's i mean this is a hypothetical but she she's like these those same people seem to be directing their attention away from atrocities against women committed by hamas so they're saying oh but you know so now it's like well it's you know hashtag me too or believe all women when women are oppressed but now that now now we're looking over here and we have a different oppressed oppressor model and so the hash the, the women's aspect of it we we won't attend to that now we will attend to this other stuff so even the idea that that the uh, egalitarians are the good people you know their attention can be on the wrong aspect of an egalitarian um you know uh, sort of topic or whatever, and I'm calling that wrong because uh, uh, because of you know rape, murder, you know uh, kidnapping, all that kind of stuff. I'm not calling. I'm not making a political statement. Uh, I'm leaving that to other people. But um, certainly directing their attention away from harm to women in one case and uh, directing their attention toward it in another. So this is. Um one of the reasons why anti-semitism is so pernicious because regardless of whether it's true or not jewish people <clears throat> are seen to be successful um so people are paying attending to messages in their environment that well, so, is so, reinforcing something that right, well, they so, so, already so, believe well, okay so so, so if you look at things from a a traditionally left-wing perspective, why are some people, or some people, why are most people more successful than other people, right? What is the cause of group A being more successful than group B, according to a traditional kind of left-wing point of view? Why are white people more successful in the United States than black people, regardless if it's true? Oh, let's, oh regardless yeah, of whether the statement yeah, is true or not, because of privilege, right? right? Because, because of privilege, privilege and fundamental yeah. injustice, and you might even say oppression. Okay, mm-hmm. so if we if we were to say if we were to look at the state of Israel um, through that lens, so you look at Israel versus Egypt, Jordan. Um, Lebanon, Syria. What do you notice? What's the immediate thing? If you are, again, if your attention is framed by a left-wing ideology, what is the first thing that you notice when you look at Israel compared to the nations that surround it? Well, yeah, Israel is a bunch of privileged people, right? They're living you know, okay. a better life. They have enough food. They have enough water. They have you know, freedoms. Right. And all of those observations are correct. Okay, but again, so then you start, you, 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 your attention is framed by this left-wing ideology. Why? Why is Israel richer than the nations that surround it? 
I mean, the same answers. I just, they're privileged. Well, they're oppressing the, the others. Yeah, right. They're privilege, because, they're, they, right, they got privilege this. can be, privilege should be a neutral term, right? That there shouldn't, and this is where I kind of like, I hang up on privilege because there's nothing per se wrong with privilege, right? The thing that's wrong with privilege is that other people don't have it, right. but it doesn't, if you're <laughs> privileged, it shouldn't mean that that's a moral failure, right? It's good, privilege, great, wonderful. That should Let's be, if anything, around, a good though. thing. <laughs> Let's spread the privilege. Let's find how we can afford that those privileges yeah. to more people. It should never be. And, and, and the fact that, you know, you're using it in such a way, like you're using what should either be a neutral or a positive term in a negative way kind of mm -hmm. underlines the problem, right? Um, and, and so they immediately, they make a correct observation. They look at the state of Israel and they say that, look, Israel is more affluent than the, than the societies around it. How did it get there? Well, did it get there from Israel doing well on a series of challenges? Are there cultural reasons why Israel is doing better? They don't or even look they at get, those questions. Right. It's just they got oppression. There by oppressing they got there by screwing right. everyone else around. And, 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 and it's zero so, sum. Yeah. So, and I, so therefore I really that justifies that... that justifies, you know, hatred against Jews. Yeah. So I, I really did, um, you know, that, that piece of the, that, of that podcast, um, it really reminded me of, because I just read this article and I was like, oh, that's a really good, that's a really good example that she made about this sort of shifting of attention, you know, in suppo supposedly in pursuit, it's like, oh no, this is the issue that I care about. This is the, and it would be, I, I believe that it would be very hard pressed for people if asked, I don't think that they could say, oh, well, I have this core value that make that that makes me pay attention to this over here and that over there. I don't think that most people could articulate that. And yet, again, this article is, you know, making some attempt at, at explaining why maybe people do it without you know, without realizing that they're doing it. Not that that makes it OK. Um, so well, I mean, we should I, be I, called out on that and we should be yeah. asked. And, 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 and why are the so. editors not doing this? I, I... Yeah. Yeah. Um, so also I looked up cause I did download the supplementary materials. Um, I looked up the demographics of the sample because I'm thinking to myself, surely to God, they analyzed this data by race or ethnicity. They had to have, um, they did say that they entered the, uh, they, they did report on race, gender, SES, um, in the supplementary materials. Um, and you can't, I don't see their socioeconomic, they did not report their socioeconomic status. You know, that other article that we read, you know, described, actually listed like, oh, people from this, this mm -hmm. uh, economic, you know, from this many dollars to this many dollars annually or whatever. They didn't do that. Um, they, it was somewhat 50-50-ish on men and women, which is kind of unusual. It's hard to get as many men, but they did a pretty good job, somewhat dominated by uh, women. Um, overwhelmingly white, uh, their sample is, um, or samples, I guess, across. Um, but I would be really surprised if very many people who are working, these are Amazon Turk participants. So these are people who are working for pennies, you know, depending on how long the study takes, it can be anywhere from like 25 cents to $5, um, can be, you know, just a few few seconds. Um, and it's hard to rule out bots and, and that kind of thing. But um, there are ways, but it's, it's hard. Um, I would be really surprised if there's too many executives <laughs> in this, you know what I'm saying? Like these are most likely not people who are making a lot of money. 
that are in an Amazon Turk study. So that might explain some of the results also that even though they claim that they entered and I should, I, I make that say, I say that like, I don't believe them. I do believe them. They entered the SES, the gender data, uh, the race data, and they said that it did not change the results. Um, so uh, that uh, took away that fear of mine. Um, but I still have the social, to get back to the social dominance orientation measure, it is um, heavily, you know, skewed towards more scores on the low end. And if you look at their graphs, you can see the scatter plot. You can see it's, you know, very densely populated at the low end. And one of the things that they did in this study was that they kept going, You, I don't even know if you noticed this, but they kept saying, oh, well, when we split the data set up and we look at people who are beyond one standard deviation to the either on the low side or the right side, then we find more significance. Okay, we find this special thing. Now, what one standard deviation to the left and to the right, you only have about 32% of your sample left. Okay, that's 16% on the low side and 16% on the high side. So you've gotten rid of 68% of your data. So in a study with, you know, 200 people, um, you know, we now have significantly fewer, right? And we have 32, we have 64 people left in the study, 32 on each side. Okay. So um, in a study with 200 people, which some of theirs had about 200. So we have gotten rid of essentially all of their analyses. They got rid of the people in the middle. They got rid of the people that scored in the middle. Just your average people who have a, you know, who answer a little bit low on one question and a little bit higher on another question, just like, you know, kind of on the low to medium side of these things. So that kind of gets to your, your sort of criticism of the measure, right? That it's, it's sort of, you know, you've got to get rid of the people that answered in the mean, you know, the mean answers to, in order to have any, uh, any, any results. Think about, the two standard deviations, some of their analyses were based on two standard deviations, either to on the low side or on the high side. Two standard deviations on the low side is essentially zero. They answered, you know, in the, they, they were so, they're extreme egalitarians, okay? But two standard deviations on the other side is ridiculously high compared to these other people. These are, these are you know, compared to the, the most people, these are, high in social, very high in social dominance orientation. When you got it, that's, you know, how much, how many people are left in your study then only two and a half percent on each side. Wow. Now, if you, if you, I mean, that's like just a, a handful of, of scores that you're analyzing at this point. So I'm, you know, uh, that seemed to be a reach. That seemed to be a real reach to me. Overall, the relationships, although they're significant, they are extremely small. Correlations like 0.1, okay? When you, what you do in order to measure something called effect size is you square the correlation. They are explaining 1% of the variance in what people noticed. Again, it's significant, okay? And if you have an autistic kid, you care about explaining 1% of the variance. You're like, 
holy crap, I want my kid to get better. And if 1% of the variance is explained by amino acids that I can, you know, give my kid twice a day, you're going to just say, screw it, I'm going to do it because maybe I'll get a little bit of an improvement. But here on something that people, people attending to something as they move about their world or don't attend to it, explaining 1% of the variance of that is nothing. It's just nothing. And in their discussion, they do say, this is not real life. This is a study, you know, that kind of stuff. So in real life, can you imagine how little variance they would be explaining in terms of what people uh, see? Even if we could identify, if we took the personality, the route that your opinion uh, person was saying, like, oh, right. these, you know, pathologically kind people. Let's just say that we could identify these people. We can give right. them this crap, crappy Which social identity. We can't. Identity. Which we we can't. can't. No. But, but imagine we can. Yes. Imagine that we could, you know, that we get a, 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 the, the world cares so much about this that they say, look, we got to spread egalitarianism. We got to get rid of those high social dominance orientation. Everybody has to take this survey. The, the high SDOs have to go over here and the low ones go over there and we got to, they got to get training and we got to fix them. What are we going to cure? One percent max of their attentional biases. I mean, it's just, it's, it's comical, right? Right. So, um, so if we can identify, let's say the, let's say we can correctly do it. Let's say we can identify that, I don't know, a disproportionately high number of people in critical social justice movements score they said it's got disproportionately high in narcissism and uh, Machiavellianism. Well, we, we, should, we should go with, no, we should go with um, pathological kindness. We should right. stick with pathological the topic. Pathological kindness, yeah. fine. Because no, there is some evidence for, 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 for so Machiavellianism we'll find, and narcissism. Yes, yes. But all right, let's go with pathological. It doesn't really matter. So we, we identify these people. And then we've got a set of, let's say, 200 people who score highly in pathological kindness. What percent of them are going to be critical social justice advocates? Exactly. Right. Like, yeah, most this of is them the, wouldn't be, right? In all likelihood. No, this is the Linda problem, right? Where the so, conjunction so it, fallacy. So you, yeah. Right. So you might have it that the yes. ideology is drawing in a disproportionately high number of those people relative to ideologies. But what does disproportionate mean? Yeah, exactly. Like 10, 10% more? Probably not even 10. Probably not even that. Yeah. Yeah. So mm. because because the person who is, you know, like really low, let's say two, two standard deviations, you know, on the negative of, of social dominance orientation also has to be someone who gets exposed to this in a way that they um, it's not in a postmodern way that they understand, right? Um, you know, that do the dumbed down version, let's say, you know, they have to, they also have to be exposed to it and have opportunities to act on it and so on and so on and so on. Well, no, they would so, have to be exposed to it, but, 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 but even if they are exposed to it, right? Oh, yeah. Were, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, they, you, if, there's if a whole in bunch a of steps. Conservative Christian context, and they're one of these people who would neatly fall into these categories, they have all the personality traits but they're growing up among Christian conservatives and they're exposed to critical social justice, the chances are they're going to reject critical social justice um, yeah. with gusto. 
So I have, a, I have a funny example. So I used right. to teach um, criminal behavior a lot, criminal behavior and forensic psychology. I used to teach that quite a bit. And, um, you know, the students were obviously they're quite enamored with um, neurobiology and, you know, they've grown up with CSI and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so that and and, um, you know, uh, there's some some research on um, on criminal psychopaths. OK, and so. There's, you know, maybe seven or nine people in a study. I mean, how many psychopaths are you going to find that are going to participate in a study? And also, that what's a, and what is a psychopath again? Because that's well, important, again, right? Well, these would be people who scored high on an high interview on the version of type psych- yes. psychopathy, right? Yes, exactly. No, because this is and important. It's a very because psychopathy involved... is a trait, not a person. It's a very, exactly. And it's a very involved interview process and everything. So anyway, Mm -hmm. so a lot of these studies have like seven people in them or maybe nine or whatever, and they scan their brains and, you know, that kind of stuff. And they find, oh, you know, out of seven, four of them had this or whatever, you know, three of them had this other thing. And so my students are just so enamored with this. They're like, oh my gosh, you know, we're going to solve criminal, you know, uh, criminal behavior and everything. And so, um, uh, you know, I'll ask him, I said, well, you know, I, I, I do this with a Bayesian analysis too, but I, I also just ask them, you know, so, you know, you like this a lot. I said, I'm wondering like how, you know, you think we should implement this? Oh yes, we should definitely implement this. And I'll say, okay, well, um, so all of you are ready to have your brains scanned in an MRI or fMRI machine. And if your brain looks like one of the five, then you're willing to either be prophylactically incarcerated, um, maybe uh, sterilized so that you won't have any children, um, and or maybe even killed to save uh, humanity. You know, in in um, you know, well, but there's all this environmental stuff. Oh, wait a minute! I thought you were. I thought you said that it was caused by uh, by people's brains. Well. <laughs> Maybe not. Right. And that's that's sort of where we are here, too. You know, um, and I, I'm not saying that that they're suggest that they they didn't say cause anywhere in this study. They did not say that. But I agree with you. They definitely sort of implied that this would be something that maybe um, would explain the ne'er do wells. <laughs> in society and that we maybe this would be something that again you know it 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 worries me like we did well that it hasn't been released yet but we did an analysis of a of a uh, anti-racist training um program that that eventually eventually will be released whenever um and much hilarity will be had by all yes exactly (laughs) but this you know this article you know, it, it, it's almost suggesting like, oh, we should add this. We should add sort of a training that would train people to pay attention to, you know, something in their environment, these things in their environment. And it would, um, you know, sort of have this wonderful effect on society. And, um, and they don't say that, but it's it seems sort of, to be there. No, but, but it, you know, kind of, it, yeah. there's this it, it, it seems to belie this kind of binary thinking that there are good and mad people. Right. Oh, we yeah. noticed that the egalitarians, they, you know, they, they didn't see inequality that didn't exist. You know, okay, fine, great. You know, I, maybe they're good at spotting something, although what are they spotting, right? Because these examples are abstract and fictional, so are they actually spotting anything at all? Um, well, but no, it, the one was, was a conversation, it was a, like a boardroom conversation or something, you know, okay, they, so like, they watched the film. 
But the bike um, and the taxi? Yeah, the pictures. And again, you know, like I said, it's sort of buried in the um, in the supplementary materials, like study one with the with the pictures was actually five studies that they they collapsed. They had some problems with some of the, you know, some of the pictures and and that kind of stuff. So yeah, I mean, it's a it's a good little study in turn. I mean, five, you know, again, it took a long it took a lot of people a long time to do this. And it, you know, they convinced people to give them money because it's very costly to do this. Um it certainly isn't the end. It is certainly not the end. It's a it's a an interesting idea. And I think in combination with this idea of pathological kindness, it you know could it it it's an idea for a re a program of research, not just you know, one, uh, one study. And, and I'm sure that, I mean, this is a, this is a very recent paper. Um, so I'm sure that there will be more uh, coming from this lab. So in conclusion, I think that we can throw out their suppressed finding because they don't actively say it, but it is suppressed um, <laughs> that the people they label egalitarians are good people and the people they label as what do they call them non-egalitarians are bad people i think we can just throw that out that's yeah. that's yeah. trash and they shouldn't be implying that that's deeply silly um we're different we see different things right and, and, and they should have said look we find that these type of people have their attention tuned to this and they see this and they're better at seeing this than this other group of people but they should have said this may very well be because this other group of people, their attention is attuned to something else that may equally yeah. be, and maybe it, of equal or even greater importance. We have no, yeah, wouldn't it be we have fun no idea. To, yeah. And maybe, maybe there'll be another paper where they right. actually investigate that. And that but, would be awesome. I mean, it would they, be really they, fun. They really should have said that we had, you know, they, they should have said this may be because group B, their attention is probably drawn to something of potentially equal or even greater importance. We have no idea because right. we don't know what it is, right? So we can't pass any well, judgment upon that. And I would also say that even the implication that what, that these uh, sort of signs, whatever they are of inequality, it is implied that they don't ever question that those, that that would be important to attend to. And maybe it's not. Mm -hmm. like they just the assumption the very assumption right. that these are important things to pay attention to that these are good things to pay attention to it's not presented neutrally like like you just sort of described it like you know are you attending to the circles or the squares oh it turns right. out people like to like to pay attention to the circles and so so you know they start with the underlying assumption that there's good attention not only yes. there's good people, yes. but there's good attention, and um, and and I it it does kind of surprise me. And and there the uh, um, you know Susan Fisk, who's you know like you know a very well respected um, social psychologist who's published a lot about uh, biases. Um, you know, edited the paper and and um, gave them some advice and stuff. So I hope one piece of advice is like the next series of studies. You can't yeah. do everything in one paper. No, no, so, of course yeah. not. But but you can mention what your limitations are. You, you could, and, yeah. and and they haven't done a very good job of that. Right. Um, you know, just 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 to expand upon your point, you know, let's say um, I have noticed in a group of a hundred people, 
who are, you know, they have to write a birthday card and there's a blue pen and a black pen on the table next to each other, right? I have noticed that 70% of people use the blue pen. Okay, that's what you've noticed. It doesn't follow that that's good or bad. 70% of people, you know, maybe that 30% of, you can't say that because 30% of people choose the black pen that they're, there's some kind of moral implication from that, right? Right. There isn't. Right. And, and that is, you know, kind of implied that it is good that they're noticing these things, these perceived inequalities. Whereas it might be, it con- conceivably could be better that it's morally good that they're not noticing them. It could or be, yeah. Far more likely that you can't draw any moral conclusion from noticing or not noticing that right. at all across groups, let alone individuals, right? That, that there is. You know, again, once you once you take these findings and you play it into an individual's life when they have to go out there and encounter things in the world, does it really make that much of a difference? Probably not. So um, to conclude very tenuously, um, is pathological kindness a thing? Don't even know what you're talking about. Right. <laughs> <laughs> It's an interesting idea. It's an interesting idea, but even if it was a thing or is a thing, then is it more prevalent in people that adhere to critical social justice? Maybe. Does that mean that everybody who has the trait of pathological kindness will adhere to critical social justice? Absolutely not. No, Um, they might be Mother Teresa or... Well, she was actually a nutter. Yeah, she wasn't so great. She was a nutter. But Um, but I I, I was just thinking of a, a, a giving caring figure i don't know lady diana okay i don't know much about her either to be honest yeah i don't um but whatever you you know you can't reduce the point that we're trying to make i think here is that that certainly when you're looking at ideology does it influence the attention that you are paying to certain things the paper would strongly seem to suggest so and i think gives fairly robust evidence that ideology will influence the amount of attention you are paying to certain things um but it's only a tiny tiny but it's not much no no and so when you look at the psychological evidence can you conclude that there are certain types of person there is a certain trait that explains the whole of critical social justice and the kind of person that will attend to it no no wouldn't it be yeah if it if it were only so and again would this be the thing that we would want to explain i think there's even more i mean this is serious right but there's some more serious shit going on (laughs) yes so ideology does shape your attention um but we really can't reduce critical social justice to a few traits or does attention influence ideology and they don't even go there. So no. that's a whole that's a whole nother path to go down. So correlation does not equal causation. Of course right? not. So, of course no. not. Um, and that doesn't mean um, that um, ideology um, doesn't attract certain sorts, perhaps. But, it, you know, it's, it's very, very, very complex. And you certainly can't reduce it to one concept or even one three concepts. Social dominance orientation scale. <laughs> No, um, let alone just opining, making a concept up like pathological kindness that sounds great. And then, then, I'm not saying this directly, but I am kind of 
saying that this is this explains everything. Um, good. And on that note, critical social justice is a real problem. It's bad. It's causing all kinds of con cancellations. We're not trying to downplay it at all. Um, we've been the victims of it. Um, but we don't think that you can oversimplify and reduce it to one concept, one behavior, one type of person, or either three concepts or four concepts. Um, it's a lot, 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 lot more complicated than that. And we shouldn't be demonizing people because they happen to score high on one trait or another, because in life it takes all sorts. Um, yeah. And especially you shouldn't be demonizing people because they correspond to some abstract trait that you've just made up. Right. <laughs> okay, good.